ups to Eddie Diamond for always presenting a killer mornings on FBI Radio. You're tuned in now to For the Record with me, Maya Billick and Dan Gordon. And Hello. a special shout out to our super producer, Kyle Fenson. He's been waiting with bated breath to be able to talk about this album. So it's a real pleasure to be able to have him behind the mic and not hiding in the corner this week. It's really exciting to be out of my corner. <laughs> We don't keep Carl in a corner. <laughs> Everyone calm down. It is very exciting, though. I feel like this is is definitely one of the more polarising albums that's come out this year, at least for me. It's been a pretty big release from 2019, which is what we've been doing over the last few weeks here on For The Record, talking about some of our favourite albums of the year that we didn't get a chance to go over when they came out, including Norman Rockwell by Lana Del Rey, which is what we're going to be going over the next hour. Yeah, and I mean, it came out in pretty interesting fashion. I, f- I feel like there's no there's no middle ground in album releases anymore. You either drip feed it or you just release it out of nowhere. And she went for the former. I'm releasing about five singles over the period of a year or so. Really, really drawn out. But I think that it was definitely well, well worth the wait um, for everyone in this room. I feel like it's it's easily one of mine and Maya's top records of the year. And definitely, I, I feel it's safe to say it's Kyle's favourite album of the year. Yeah, definitely. I think you are right, Dan, though. It is a bit of a... Maybe not polarising, but p- people had a lot of different things to say about this record. I think off the back of Lust for Life, which was maybe quote-unquote a bit more hippy-dippy from her and what people were expecting her to, to put out this like sad girl kind of record but on Norman f***ing Rockwell she kind of checks everyone and makes them fall in love with her again. Mm. No I mean the reason I said it's polarizing is purely just because I think at least for me and I'm, I'm, I'm I think there'd be a few people with me that I wasn't expecting a album of this quality from Lana Del Rey. Not that I ever, I didn't ever think she was a bad artist or couldn't make a good album, but I didn't expect her to make a great album straight after like a like a, just like a like a decent record. Do you know what I mean? I, and I feel like this this is definitely like one of the great albums of the year. Yeah. I think polarizing is pretty par for the course for yeah. Lana though. That's Yeah. She's been polarizing from the very start. I was never a huge Lana Del Rey fan before this album. But for me, the benefit of the year-long rollout of the singles was that it sort of built track by track until the point where the album came out and I was really, really anticipating it, which I think is a fine thing when you're able to change your mind about an artist who you had one opinion of before and then you might have a different opinion when they release a different piece of work and I think for a lot of people this record was maybe that moment with Lana Mm. so I think in terms of the reaction there's that and then I think what else was polarizing just in general conversations that I've had with people was maybe not so much the record itself but the reaction to the record the acclaim that it was getting the noise the space it was sort of taking up in discussions when it dropped with the run of singles leading up to it it definitely has the momentum of an artist being on an absolute creative hot streak and it fits pretty nicely into her 
sort of career as her masterpiece. I think one of my other favourite things about Lana Del Rey, maybe not specifically about this album, but just her career trajectory in general, is that she's, in terms of hype train, almost gone full circle where she started out as this, like, overly hyped, like, blog artist. And then kind of, like, not slipped away. Obviously, she kept releasing albums, but kind of just, like, it was, like, a bit more low-key. She was less in-your-face. The songs got better. I feel like that's kind of safe to say. Um, and then, like, you slowly kind of crept up past the subconscious. And we arrive at Norman f***ing Rockwell. And it's just this, like, big slap to the face. And I kind of almost see this this album as being, like, the middle finger to anyone and everyone who has kind of doubted her musical ability over you know the past six or seven years yeah i think i think you're totally right and partially how that comes across is the magic in listening to someone who's found the perfect place for them to be making music in yeah she also just seems really um confident and in in her like best space musically i think Mm. that i don't think i've ever felt her sounding this comfortable on a record before yeah i mean she's tried so many different each album is aiming for something different let alone a feel but also going for a different kind of music like compare the singing on this to born to die yeah no totally but but the thing about it i don't necessarily think she's ever jumped that far out of a comfort zone i just think she's amped it up to a level on this like this time around where it's just like she's hitting all the perfect notes yeah. like every single time whereas like there were like flaws on all the other albums whereas this one I'd, I don't think it's like perfect but I think it's pretty damn close it also feels like in a lot of ways the world has sort of caught up to some of the things that Lana's been up to for a little while that were maybe a little bit misunderstood a bit earlier in her career that have positioned her or placed her really well in 2019 to drop an album that feels has the hype and the momentum of an album of the year. We're going to keep jumping into a little bit more of the Lana Del Rey record, Norman f***ing Rockwell, right now here on For The Record. You're tuned into FBI Radio 94.5. If you want to text in 0409 945 945 is the spot to do so. From the title track, we're going to take you now into Mariner's Apartment Complex. Stick with us. We'll be here right up until one. Sadness out of context At the Mariner's apartment complex I ain't no candle in the wind I'm the board, the lightning, the thunder The kind of girl who's gonna make you wonder Who you are and who you've been And who I've been is with you on these beaches your Venice bitch, your diehard, your weakness. Maybe I could save you 
for a little bit um, and mention some of the crazy production and style of Norman f***ing Rockwell here on For The Record on FBI Radio. Across Lana's uh, discography and her career to date, there's been no doubt of where Lana Del Rey lies aesthetically, visually, her style of and concept, but it feels to me on fucking Rockwell that She's hitting the nail on every single head. This feels like an album that Priscilla Presley would have put out, which would be like her absolute dream. Yeah, and I also don't, I, I don't think that she's ever, she's obviously dabbled 
doing ballads before. It's not like a necessarily a new thing for her music, but I don't think she's ever done ballads, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think she's ever done a whole album full of, like, borderline singer-songwritery tracks. Or in the traditional sense. Yeah, like, I think that she's more done, like, to a degree, her version of a pop song, whereas I think that now she's kind of taking it back to, like, a little bit more traditional um, singer-songwriter with, like, a touch of, like, you know, psych rock and I think she gets there by really stripping everything back. There's probably, throughout this whole album, a grand total of five or six instruments, you know? Mm. And it's just the consistent guitar, piano, strings, Lana's voice. Um, and she works with Jack Antonoff, who's a bit of a super producer, chameleon. He's best known for his work with Bored and St Vincent and stuff. And they sort of hone in on this... 70s Laurel Canyon folk that's very, very reminiscent of Joni Mitchell or mm. Carol King or even some of the more recent work of Lana's BFF, Father John Misty. Yeah, and I guess like the other thing to kind of take away is this is like a, a true artist, artist record. Like it's, it's your favourite artist's favourite album. I, th- I think that, that, that that'll go down like that in the next couple of years. Especially, and I I feel like this is an album that's going to age very well. And they strip all of Lana's previous work of some of those styles, the flirting with hip-hop, the weekend features that Mm. she had. It sometimes could feel a little bit... Contrived. Yeah, like a little bit like a gimmick. And here she's just... I feel like she's just sort of like delving into her own sort of obsessions and influences without much of regard for what this means for her sort of like commercial viability or anything yeah this this might be like a little bit tough to say but i i I feel like watching lana del rey it's almost and i mean this in nice or the nicest possible way it's almost been like watching someone learn on the job, if that makes sense. And and now she's kind of really finally come into her own and, and figured out exactly the kind of songwriting she wants to do. She's obviously worked on like her lyricism tenfold because this is some of some of the best like you could borderline call this poetry. And I, I don't think it would be wanky to say that. I think it all kind of comes to a head to like or one of the main ways it's very obvious and apparent is through the song titles, for example. Bring it again back to Lust for Life. Maybe looking retrospectively now on that record, um, Norman f***ing Rockwell was maybe what she was trying to do or the sentiment she was trying to get at, but then you have song titles where people just absolutely, probably pretty sexistly, to be honest, ripped into her over and took the piss out of, you know, a song like... Cherry, White Mustang, Coachella in my mind, putting Sean Lennon on a track. I think everyone just unreasonably sort of ripped into it over that and didn't see the true feelings behind everything. But then the next best American record, like, far out, just kind of says it all. She's really bringing in all of the nods to people like Simon and Garfunkel to a head. Mm, cat, like Cat, your Cat Stevens. Yeah. Well, I think she's really kind of... Starting to, I'm, okay, obviously I'm not comparing her music to anyone like Cat Stevens or Joni Mitchell. I think that she's still got like a ways to go and albums to release before yeah. she gets there. But 
I think this is like a, a really, really good first step in the right direction to make those kind of calls not as ludicrous. I think it's also important to note there were no features on this record whatsoever, which is, again, in the world of popular music, like a really bold thing to do because it always helps to have, you know, someone else who's got a lot of heat on them right now on the track, help sell records, labels love it. But for her to kind of go, yeah, no, I don't want any of that. I just want me to be front and center. Mm. I want people to get the full message, the entire message that I'm trying to say, not necessarily someone else saying it from their voice. Or even like, all right, I'm going to slap a four-minute outro on this track. Yeah, like, just, that's a it, it brave thing for, for a pop star to do. For me, it would have it would have kind of derailed not what this album's about, but what this album stands for. Mm. We're going to go into a little bit more of the record. We're talking, of course, about Lana Del Rey and her fantastic album, Norman F***ing Rockwell. You're tuned into FBI Radio 94.5. This song is called F*** It, I Love You.
tracks you just heard were F- I Love You, Do In Time, which is a cover of Sublime's 1997 reggae single, and then after that one, Cinnamon Girl. You're tuned in to For The Record here on FBI Radio. This album's pretty special, I think, because it's a very pivotal moment in Lana Del Rey's career. I feel like this is probably one of the times where she's been taken the most seriously. With this album, you can see the changing arc of Lana Del Rey's career, No. Mm-hmm. Things mm. have changed for her. Things have changed not only culturally, but the references she's pointing to and cultural markers she's using, for example. It's mm. nice to see this big change and development for her. Well, even to the point where she can cover Sublime's doing time and people don't 
wonder if it's ironic or it's whatever. They just take it as she really likes the song and she's done a really good cover of it. I just think people weren't buying it before. They, yeah, they well, I mean, I guess she the... was almost kind of like a... Like, she came from that Instagram filter mold yeah. where everything is is glossed over and fake. And it, it probably is just, like, bad luck that she happened to come up at that time. And, but to be completely honest, I think she kind of rode that wave for a little bit and 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 not necessarily... I don't think she deserved the hate that she got to the extent that she got, but she definitely capitalised on that. No, definitely, like, a lot of the early career criticism mm-hmm. was sexist and misogynistic mm-hmm. in tone. And I think the, the Instagram thing is a good point because... Back then when Lana first came out with the video game visuals and a lot of people were quick to deride it as fake and inauthentic and she got slapped with the word persona a lot. Mm. Now we live in a world where Instagram is an accepted reality and that's sort of why it feels like the perfect time for her to make this sort of statement record. Mm. Do you think... By that logic, Lana Del Rey was maybe before her time. I think for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Like, even the final song on this record, Hope is a Dangerous Thing for a Woman Like Me to Have, but I have it. If it was on any other album, people would be just laughing and shaking it off. But there's a very different tone to this album. Yeah, it's almost like a like a commanding tone. She's kind yeah. of just, like, really in the driver's mm. seat and knows exactly what she's doing. To me, this feels like a very apocalyptic record. It's like a lot of eulogies for a crumbling world or, like, the end of times or whatever, and it feels like Lana is sitting there and she's watching all of this and she's just sort of having one last cigarette while the world crumbles or something like that. And, and she sort of knows that it's all fake and it's all superficial... But when you listen to it, it's not tense or it's not, it doesn't fill you with dread. It's a weird sort of calm where it's like a slow breath out while you watch everything else burn around you. And she's just sort of zooming all out and watching this in her own way. Where we are today, just taking things and zooming out for for a moment, um, it sort of feels like the vibe at least between people who I've been talking to recently that everyone's kind of not um, unplugging themselves from the matrix or anything, but kind of sort of waking up and turning to each other and going, hey, stuff right now is a little bit cooked. And not that it hasn't not been, and it suddenly is, it's been for a while, but it sort of feels like today the conversation has really changed and everyone is talking about things that are happening broadly around the world, issues that are happening and it definitely seems like again this was the time for this record to come out because the conversation can actually happen and be had. I see a lot of similarities between this record and the most recent Angel Olsen record although this time not delving into the shattered glass broken pieces of heartbreak broadly talking about the broken glass pieces of the world. Mm. Trying to put them back together. My baby is today in the sun underneath my architecture. 
kids from baby's bedside Cause they don't yet know what car I drive I'm just trying to keep my love alive When my bartender hold me all night Bartender, our love's alive Baby, remember, I'm not drinking wine Cherry Coke you serve is fine And I love sweet enough on the vine But tender, but tender, but tender Ha 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 I bought me a truck in the middle of the night 60 on PCH Drive Here to Long Beach to Newport by your side as they don't yet know where I reside 60 miles from the last place I hide with my bart tender hold me all night bart tender keep love alive Right there on FBI, you're listening for the record. It was called Bartender, right after the greatest and the next best American record. We've been going through the most recent Lana Del Rey album. It's one of our favorites of 2019. Norman Rockwell. It is time for us to scoot, skedaddle. This has been a pretty big record, broadly for Lana Del Rey, but also I think. For 2019, as cliche as that sounds in music, it was a pretty pivotal moment in the year, I feel like. So it's been a pleasure to be going through it with you. We want to hear from you, though. Get in touch at fbiradio.com. Get in touch at fortherecord at fbiradio.com. Send us an email. We love getting love letters. Or you can hit us up on Instagram. Fortherecordfm is the spot to do that one. Kyle... Thank you so much for lending your voice instead of your beautifully talented mind. Thanks for letting me out the corner, guys. That's all right. <laughs> um, Lunch with Deeper Alum is up next, so definitely, definitely stay tuned for that one. But we will see you next week. You can listen back at fbiradio.com or wherever you get your podcast from. Just look up for the record or FBI Radio. This last one is hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have, but I have it. I was reading some errands and I got to thinking that I thought Maybe I'd get less stressed if I was tested less like all of these debutantes Smiling for miles in pink dresses and high heels and white yachts But I'm not Baby, I'm not No, I'm not That I'm not I've been tearing around in my fucking account 24-7 Sylvia Platt Writing in blood on my walls Cause the ink in my pen don't work in my notepad 
Don't ask if I'm happy, you know that I'm not But at best I can say I'm not sad Cause hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have Hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have Fifteen year dances, church basement romances, yeah I've got Spilling my guts with the Bowery bums Is the only love I've ever known Except for the stage which I also call home when I'm not Serving up Caught in a burnt coffee pot for the triad Hello, it's the most famous woman you know on the iPad Calling from beyond the grave, I just wanna say hi dad I've been tearing up town in my fucking white gown Like a goddamn sociopath Shaking my ass is the only thing that's Got this black narcissist off my back She couldn't care less and I never cared more So there's no more to say about that Except hope is a dangerous thing For a woman like me to have Hope is a dangerous thing For a woman with my past There's a new revolution A loud evolution that I saw Born of confusion and quiet collusion Of which Mostly I've known A modern day woman With a weak constitution Cause I've got Monsters still under my bed That I could never fight off A gatekeeper carelessly Dropping the keys on my nights off I've been tearing around in my fucking nightgown 24-7 Sylvia Plath Writing in blood on your walls Cause the ink in my pen don't look good in my pad They write that I'm happy, they know that I'm not But at best you can see I'm not sad But hope is a dangerous thing For a woman like me to have Hope is a dangerous thing For a woman like me to have Hope is a dangerous thing For a woman like me to have But I have it Yeah, I have 
Yeah.